0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Hurwitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew against the tyrants. This is your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back in the house for a brand new week of broadcast here Monday, January 17th. It is the day when we commemorate uh, Martin Luther King's contributions to our country, the biggest of which I think a lot of people are going to forget today, you're going to hear liberals bastardize his legacy for things that are really antithetical to what he believed in, the single, probably the biggest principle that I think he established from the letter in the Birmingham jail, which I think you should all read that. Truly remarkable, speaks to our time. One has not only a legal but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. Um, This is the time we're in. He also said an individual who breaks a law that conscience tells him is unjust and who willingly accepts the penalty of imprisonment in order to arouse the conscience of the community over its injustice is in reality expressing the highest respect for the law. Um, This is where we are today with senseless hatred and discrimination and apartheid. Again, senseless for something that does not affect other people. And in fact, to the extent it does, the more you are uh, injected with this, the case rates are higher. We have new data from Quebec in addition to Scotland uh, demonstrating that as well. But I want to change gears a little bit, at least for the first half today and juxtapose this you know what government is doing that's evil to to what government is supposed to do as part of the social compact to protect us and nowadays is not doing it so basically to set the table we're now at a point when americans to walk around domestically and live a functioning life in an increasingly number increasingly growing number of cities they have to show papers okay show papers Yet, you could break into this country as a sex offender, and you don't have to show papers, and in fact, they'll go after localities that try to ask you to show proof of citizenship. But at the same time, we have terrorists that are let into this country that had restraining orders in magistrate court in England against them, and yet, they're able to fly into this country and then take four people hostage in a synagogue, yes, We are talking about the alleged suspect who was shot dead, Malik Faisal Akram. He was let into the country despite such an order that should have been on his record. How was this guy let into the country? But the point is, we now have a security apparatus, a DHS, an FBI, that they believe people that are fighting COVID fascism, people that are fighting for election security, political opponents of the regime domestically are a bigger threat than Islamists who have ties to foreign entities. That's where we are today. So I want to get into what happened in Colleyville, Texas, um, what did, what didn't happen, the lessons thereof, why we need to abolish the FBI for real, never going to reform that organization, Um, First, our sponsor today, Paint Your Life. You know, I have an anniversary coming up, and sometimes you're really, you know, after many years, you're scrapping for new wedding or anniversary or birthday gift ideas. PaintYourLife.com, they have a terrific idea where you could take a picture, you know, it could be from your phone or anything, and then you could send it into them and get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo you send them. Very affordable price. They have a team of world-class artists that you could work directly with them until every detail is perfect. Um, and it's pretty quick. You can get your portrait in as little as two weeks. Um, so you, you send your picture in. It makes the perfect birthday, anniversary, or wedding gift. It's meaningful. It's personal. It will be cherished forever um i'm i'm picking mine now for for my coming a, upcoming anniversary um at paintyourlife.com there's no risk if you don't love the final painting your money is fully refunded guaranteed and right now with a limited time offer you can get 20% off your painting that's right 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer text the word review to 64000 that's review r e v i e w 6400 Zero. Um, terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com terms. So, folks, we had this story on Saturday. Um, this guy, Malik Faisal Akram, breaks into a synagogue, Colleyville, uh, Texas. This is in Turan County near Fort Worth and holds four people hostage, basically uh, you know, you could, there's a recording of him. You could hear him yelping about Islam. And he demands the release of Afia Siddiqui, um, a, a piece of garbage that we let into the country around 1990 that was educated in America. She's from Pakistan. And she was uh, imprisoned on charges of trying to kill American service members when she was caught in Afghanistan. And she's serving an 86 year prison sentence in Texas, which is presumably why he went there. Um, so this guy goes and finds like the one Jewish synagogue around. And right away the FBI agent in charge said, no, no, no. Um this he was singularly focused on one thing and nothing to do with attacking Jews. Right away he knew that. Even though the guy was an Islamist, he was demanding um the freeing of someone who wrote lunatic writings about Jews. Um, actually in her trial, she demanded DNA tests to make sure Jews weren't on the jury. Uh, this Sadiqi woman, she's she's known as Lady Al Qaeda. And right away the FBI was like, no, 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 nothing there. So they were going to memory hole this the same way they did the Vegas shooting, the Nashville Christmas bombing, um, the Waukesha Parade, you know, Daryl Brooks, the black supremacist that that uh mowed down six Um, people at a parade two days after the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. Um, people forget about the Nashville Christmas bombing. Um and by the way, yeah, the April twenty twenty one Capitol shooting. We forget about that as well. Um you'll be like, What? April twenty twenty one? Yeah, that's right. Three months after they had um, you know, January sixth, Officer William Evans, eighteen year Capitol Hill Police veteran, he was killed. Okay, directly. Nobody was directly killed on January sixth. You know that. No police officer. Whereas Officer William Evans, Capitol of Cop, he was mowed down allegedly by Noah Green, a follower of Nation of Islam. Um he is accused of ramming um his car into two police cars. Then he got out and um, you know, like like with a knife or a machete, he was shot dead. At the time, Nation of Islam founder Louis Farrakhan pointed out in a statement that he was mourning the loss of a brother who could have been a future star in his movement. Um, and again, I think when he did the ramming is when he killed uh, Officer Evans. Yeah, most of you probably never knew about that. So typically you don't hear about this type of stuff, but what happened was the reason why the FBI had to recant and say, oh, they're you know investigating this as terrorism is, is because thankfully there's the the British media is all over this. You know, you have the UK Telegraph, the Daily Mail. The UK has some good media outlets, and the problem is this is an international angle. So they lost control of the news cycle. The American media and the FBI were gonna bury this. You know, Joe Biden said, I don't think there's sufficient information to know why he targeted the synagogue, why he insisted on the release of someone who's been in prison for over ten years, why he was using anti-Semitic comments. <laughs> Okay, like a really bizarre statement. Then again, everything that comes out of his mouth is bizarre. But what happened was, according to British authorities, you know, the guy is a national of the UK. He's from Blackburn, which, by the way, is a city that has radical mosques with ties to Islamists. It's a no-go zone. They actually put out statements from those mosques. They are martyring this guy. So this is happening there. Um, I don't know if he's originally from Pakistan or he was born in Britain. But he came over. According to CNN, he came over five weeks ago. It's not clear what type of visa he arrived on. I don't have the information as of now. Um, but basically, uh, in uh, police in Manchester, England, arrested two other teenagers in connection with Akram. So this was something they could not memory hole, and they have to admit that it is indeed, you know, there uh, a terrorist incident. So this is a pretty big deal. Okay, this is not just a guy that was living here for a long time. He clearly came in to engage in an op. Okay, he was let in a few weeks ago and then he goes and takes a, uh, you know, people hostage in a synagogue. Um, you know, Texas appears to be because this Sadiki, a uh, Lady Al-Qaeda woman is in a Texas prison. Um, This was obvious from day one. This is not New York City. This is Colleyville, Texas. So it's not like there's too many synagogues around there. Um, So this clearly was targeted. Um, Now, there's another interesting angle here. Just two months ago, the Council on American Islamic Relations, CARE, right? That's the American branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. They demanded she be released. They're, they're having rallies all over the place. So here we have a Texas sitting hog attacked by a supporter of an international terrorist, which is support from an organization that works together with DHS. Right, CARE works with DHS. They work with the FBI. The subject matter was a known Jew hater, right? this Siddiqui woman, yet the FBI didn't want to connect the dots originally. And a Facebook post just from November 15th, two months ago, Care of DFW wrote, We'll be meeting with congressional offices to educate them about Dr. IFIA and call for her release. Special thanks to Care for being a pillar and letting utilize the office, which is walking distance from Congress, as our primary staging and organizing area. So we now have Democrat congressmen that met just two months ago with an organization calling for the release of a terrorist the release of a terrorist, who, um, by the way, injured in Afghanistan, she, she took took a rifle and injured an FBI agent and a army officer. So she's serving eighty six years. And then now, two months later, we let in what appears to be an international terrorist into the country, and then holds people hostage in a synagogue, demanding the release of this terrorist for whom there's a known domestic organization in America that is demanding her release and has actually met with the congressman. Could you imagine if if tomorrow you'd have a, a, a real white supremacist go and, um, you know, with ties to conservative congressmen and and organizations that people like me are a part of or something like that, demand, holding someone hostage like in a black church, let's just say, uh, you know, to release one of the people that are being held for January 6th in the D.C. jail. Could you imagine, like, those people just totally operating with impunity in this country? You you now have a special FBI unit, domestic terrorism unit, um, to go after people like myself. That's essentially what it is. Um, and call everyone white supremacists. And then you have us letting these people into the country. Right. And then you have organizations and mosques that are related to this. Okay, this is from the Middle East Forum just from a couple months ago. I, I, Sam Westrup, I didn't know this was going on. But evidently, this whole effort to free her, it's not just like a random terrorist has done this. This has been going on for a while, and it has the full support from organizations that are not only not on the hit list of the FBI to monitor them but they downright work with them. Okay? This is from the article here. A wide variety of lawful American Islamist groups and clerics, many of whom have grown increasingly close to Islamabad over the past decade, also now campaign on Siddiqui's behalf. In 2016, campaigners established the AFIA Foundation, a 501c3 organization that lobbies for Siddiqui's release, as well as that of other convicted criminals and jihadists. It is a leading member organization of the Coalition for Civil Freedoms and Islamist Umbrella Group established by Sami al-Aryan. He's a Palestinian Islamic jihad operative, jailed and then deported from the U.S. because of, of his efforts to support the terrorist group. The fia Foundation has plenty of other willing partners in Islamist circles, including the Dianet Center in Maryland. That's the big Lanham, Maryland mosque, the big, biggest mosque in North America, Funded by the Erdogan government in Turkey, um, as well as the Dar ul Hijra, a hard, hardline mosque in Virginia, whose former imams have included the late Al Qaeda leader Anwar al Alaki. In addition, the Afia Foundation enjoys thousands of dollars of funding from the Atalib Family Foundation, an Islamist 501c3 grant making foundation controlled by Hisham. Atalib, who helped lead a network of notorious Muslim bro- bro- Brotherhood-founded organizations known as the SAAR Network, which was suspected by federal agents of serving as a key terror financing network. So this whole thing, there's a whole rich history behind American Islamist organizations pulling, with ties to terrorists, uh, rallying and doing political operations on behalf of this Sadiqi woman, and now we have again, you know, people held hostage. Luckily, there was a good outcome. And but the point is, this is at a time when they're solely focused, the FBI, DHS, solely focused on people like you and me. And by the way, this hostage thing, evidently, this was um, a known operation on behalf of this woman. This is from the Hindustan Times in India. And again, India would know about Pakistani-born terrorists. Um, there's an article out. The hostage situation in the synagogue in Texas was resolved on Saturday night, <clears throat> but the demand of the suspect has raised, uh, brought back global jihad on, on the agenda. The hostage taker claimed to be the brother of Pakistan-born convicted neuroscientist Afia Siddiqui. It turns out it wasn't the brother, but it was a supporter. Um, Karachi-born Siddiqui is a cause celebre of the terrorist world with pan-Islamic groups like Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State have sought her release. And U.S. journalists James Foley and Stephen Sotloff were beheaded by Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi's fanatics in revenge. So this is, this is a big deal, folks. Known as Lady Al-Qaeda, Siddiqui was married to the nephew of the 9-11 prime accused in Pakistan national Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. For the past 15 years, uh, pan-Islamic jihadist groups have made attempts to secure the release of Siddiqui, who attended MIT and earned a doctorate from Brandeis University. Um, The Texas hostage situation clearly shows that al-Qaeda is alive and kicking, despite all the statements to the contrary by the Biden administration. The fact is that Indian Muad co-founder and Pakistan-based Riaz Bakhtal, as per NIA charge sheet on Yasin Bakhtal had met Al-Qaeda operatives in 2013. Yasin Bakhtal, who was picked up by the Intelligence Bureau from Nepal in August 2013, told his interrogators that Riyaz had told him to kidnap Jews from Peshar Mela in Rajasthan and demand the release of Afia Siddiqui. So this is very interesting that there was actually a case in, um, in India where, where they were going to kidnap Jews as a strategy for securing Siddiqui's release. This was eight years ago. She's been in prison in Texas since 2010. So this is a, this is a big deal. They're going to try to memory hole this. Now, by the way, normally I wouldn't talk about this because it's just not nice, but thankfully no one was killed or injured in, in the end, so it was a good outcome. So I feel like I can talk about this. It turns out this synagogue in Coleyville, it certainly was not an Orthodox Bible-believing Jewish synagogue. It was an extreme left-wing synagogue. There's um, uh, my friend Andy Bostom, who's a scholar on Islam. He's written thick books on, on, uh, on Islamic anti-Semitism. And where is this? He sent this to me from a friend of his, this guy, Gelbman, who claims to have attended that synagogue. In the world of, of you can't make this stuff up, this was my old synagogue I left due to a few issues. First, the rabbi called Israel an apartheid state against Islam. And second, he didn't allow his members to be armed during services. Now he's held hostage by a Muslim man with a gun. So interesting testimony here by this guy um, who evidently was familiar with this place. Now, I don't know if that means that the guy knew that this so-called rabbi was friendly to his cause or was just random. I don't know. I mean, that we don't know yet. But it is interesting that uh, this was a place just, you know, deviating from the Islamic issue here for a moment. Just from a gun standpoint, he was anti-gun. It didn't allow anyone to carry there. So, um, you know, typically in a place like Coleyville, uh, most of the churches, you'd have people carrying, but not in a pagan, uh, fake Jewish uh, synagogue like that. Um, But again, it doesn't change the fact that, you know, clearly this was intended as a terror attack, and our government was ready to memory hole this immediately, if not for the British government, British media. So this will certainly be interesting to watch, but again it raises the point that you know what is the purpose of the fbi what is the purpose they could only be used against us at this point which is why i fully support abolishing them think about it do you think the next president if it's a, if it's a republican is is going to be able to drain that swamp there's nothing to drain i mean this demonstrates what what's so sad about the jihad against conservatives in America, against people that fight COVID fascism, the apartheid, is that we really do have serious threats. We really do have terrorists that are still working against us. And we have an immigration system that's wide opened. Wide opened. It turns out... um, the UK Daily Mail is reporting that Akram was given a rare exclusion order in Blackburn's magistrate's uh, court because he was like ranting about 9-11 and attacking people there or something. He was in the courthouse. How was a man like this able to fly to the US? So you're put on no-fly lists if you don't wear a mask. They're talking about no-fly for someone who doesn't have the shots. And yet... This guy was not on a no-fly list. You have people that attended the protest on January 6th, never did anything criminal. They're on no-fly lists. This is the sort of moral and intellectual dyslexia we have going on in this country now. This is what we have. We, We have record crime, record illegal immigration, cartels crashing our border, Chinese immigrants, foreign students espionage problems from there, and then you have the Islamic threats pouring into the country. And yet, you and I are the enemy. Again, this is why you cannot live harmoniously with people like that. There's a new poll out from um, Rasmussen Reports and the Heartland Institute of a 1,000 likely uh, U.S. voters from earlier this month. And you know, they polled different views on on COVID fascism. 48% of Democrats believe, these are Democrat voters, so it's half of them, they believe, that the government should fine and even imprison anyone who questions the COVID-19 vaccine efficacy on social media, television, radio, or its publications. Shockingly, 14% of Republicans and 18% of independents believe that too, which shows you how scary that is. 47% of Democrat voters favor a government tracking program for anyone who's unvaccinated. Um, 66% of all voters are against governments utilizing uh, digital tracking, but 47% of Democrats are for it. 55% of Democrats are in favor of government finding Americans who do not get the vaccine. Right? Right? So we're not even talking about the passports anymore, literally just finding so let's say you're home, you don't go anywhere, literally finding you for not getting something that now spreads the virus worse. So you know, a day like this when we talk about Martin Luther King and wax poetic, we're forgetting we have the most senseless organized discrimination at the highest level that's completely senseless. The lesson of Martin Luther King was when we had senseless Hatred, discrimination, segregation for nothing more than I don't like who the person is. I don't like the color of his skin. I don't like he doesn't do the same things I do. He doesn't make the same medical choices I do when they clearly do not affect anyone, even if you still believe that it offers some degree of prophylaxis. Right. Which there's no evidence that it does against Omicron. That's that's old. It's outdated, outdated vaccine but it literally does not affect anyone else because it does not stop transmission. Um, this was even against Delta, same viral load. Every single study that looked at this, there was no study that showed otherwise. And against Omicron, clearly the data show from Scotland, uh, really everywhere in the UK, Denmark, Netherlands, Ontario, uh, we now have from Quebec, that the, the um, infection rate among those who have the shots is even higher. It just doesn't matter. And again, we know that leaky vaccines, this is well known, that there's no, well, it, it, stop, it doesn't stop transmission, but it's good against critical illness. That's good in a vacuum, but the problem is if you understand microbiology, leaky vaccines make the virus worse. There is no middle ground. There is no half loaf. I'm all for something that in theory would offer a prophylactic but wouldn't stop transmission, um, but you have to understand microbiology. Vaccines have to be perfect. Fauci himself said that. A complete blood libel against Americans now. This is happening in every major city now. They're being forced into, um, you know, into taking something. Again, 20... 1,000 deaths on theirs, over a million adverse events. And we know it's underreported by a factor of 41 Harvard study. Everyone I know that's had serious adverse events, they're not reported in VARES. To force upon someone to put in their body something that clearly has been proven that it cannot affect someone else, and you could debate the degree of harm but there clearly is harm there. You cannot deny that. Okay, you cannot deny when a hundred fifty-year-old life insurance company in Indiana comes out and says they have 40% increase in all-cause deaths among younger people, and almost almost none of it could be attributed to the COVID deaths. Right? If you added up all the COVID deaths in that age cohort. And there's no desire to get to the bottom of this. The less it works and the more safety concerns that come out, the more they mandate it senselessly. Right? I mean, you could theoretically be someone who holds the opinion. Man, it it did its job for a few months. It had its thing. but, But with the evolution of the virus, it's over with. And yet precisely now is when they're getting more vicious. More vicious than ever. Just how vicious are they getting? Again, when we commemorate uh, Dr. King's uh, legacy, talk about apartheid and segregation, denying kidney transplants. I have a number of people have now reached out to me about this. This is happening everywhere. I'm going to play a clip to you sent to me by the man himself Shamgar Connors, this is in Virginia, UVA Health Systems in Charlottesville, Virginia. The doctor that you're going to hear on the phone here is Karen Warburton. She's a nephrologist for UVA Health. And she tells Shamgar, you're now kicked off the system because you didn't get the shots. Take a listen to this here.
1: And um, Art said you, you're not interested in the COVID vaccine. No. So I just, it is I a just, requirement for, had, for you to be active. Sorry?
2: I just had COVID, so I don't – so, like, why would I get the vaccine? I just had COVID. Well,
1: you, you, probably, you may have had Delta, um, and uh, that may not protect you against the Omicron variant, which is what we're seeing now. So our policy is if you if, – for, in order to to have people active on the transplant list and get a transplant, you need to be fully vaccinated. So you don't you're you're on the list, you're just not in an active status right now. Um, as we tie up all these other loose ends, so in order to be activated on the list, you will need to get the vaccine. Right. Right. Wait, are you willing to do it? No. Okay, so you, you don't want to move forward.
2: I'd rather die of kidney failure than get the vaccine. I'd rather just die of anything. Okay. I don't know why people are still about this vaccine. It's so stupid. You can go to openvares.com dot com and see a million adverse reports right now.
1: Okay. So this may be I mean, this may be a crossroads at your um at your evaluation because I don't there's that's not there's not going to be any any exception to that. The science is pretty clear on the vaccine and we have seen so many people die from COVID that we are requiring it. So is there what is your wish at this point? Do you want to stay inactive on the list? Um and, and see what shakes out, or do you want to just have us close your evaluation, or what? You can what's see me
2: preference? as inactive, that's fine. I mean, if you want to talk about science, I can show you a bunch of reports that show you what the science shows about these vaccines, and myocarditis, or whatever, they've renounced it, and all sorts of problems that go with it. And I just okay. had COVID, and I got over it. I'm not scared of it. It doesn't matter. It's like you have a 99.99997% chance to survive. I'm not like, requiring
1: that's a not, vaccine. And that's all pretty inaccurate data, but um, it's obviously your, your choice. Um, but it's not your choice if you want to be active on the list. So I think at some point you'll need to make that decision for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I will talk to the team about keeping you inactive. I don't have a problem with that. Um, just guys so that don't, you don't lose don't your honor our religious
2: exemptions, because I'm because I'm I'm claiming religious exemption on this. I don't I don't want any mRNA vaccine. Like that's the reality.
1: Yeah, we know we don't um uh, unfortunately not. So okay. um I think that this could be, you know, could be a deal breaker, but you know, you never know what's going to shake out. The other thing is even if we closed your evaluation and you decided to come forward later, let's say like covid ends and this isn't an issue anymore, um you're and you wanted to get relisted, your waiting time would go back to the start date of dialysis. Do you, do you remember when you initially started dialysis?
2: Like last year
1: Okay. So you would lose some waiting time. So I do think there's a disadvantage to you to come off the list. Um, so if the team is willing to keep you on in an active status, I would probably recommend that. Um, I just need to make sure that, that that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. But just to be clear that you won't be able to be activated on the list or transplanted until you get vaccinated. All right. Okay. Any questions for me? No. Okay. All right. Thanks. Please. I'll have Stephanie reach out to you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: So folks, there are so many lies and inaccuracies in that cruel, sickening statement. I can't even begin to imagine. So first off, why would you deny why would you do that to a person? So the only intellectual way I could even wrap my arms around this, is you say, Well, we have a limited supply, so then we we believe that You know, I don't know. You're more likely to die if you don't get the shots from COVID. So we're not going to waste a kidney on you. That—that's the best way, maybe I can articulate it. Now we never—before we get into the facts here—we've never done that with anything else. You have people that downright make active lifestyle choices on drinking. Um, They've gotten themselves their liver in trouble because of uh, alcoholism, drugs. They've affirmatively taken steps to to harm their bodies and we've never done this before. We that that's always a red line. We've treated everyone equally in healthcare. And here it's it's you know, we're not talking about anyone who did anything bad. It's just that they don't want to take something that's experimental. That's literally experimental. Literally has caused 21,000 deaths and there's over a million adverse events. And then this guy freaking had the virus. Folks, so the the, the woman's like well, Omicron, natural immunity doesn't work. Well, if natural immunity doesn't work, do you know what else doesn't work? The shots. It's unbelievable. And of course, natural immunity makes, makes it that you can never get meaningfully ill. There's no evidence of someone who had uh, the virus, then got Omicron and died from Omicron with prior infection. Whereas with the vaccine, man, I, I already have, I've, uh, tons of people have come up to me you know, for guidance on what to do with hospitalizations. Um, they have a loved one on a ventilator. And they had two shots, many of them three shots. They don't work. But folks, every study that has studied kidney transplant patients, they have shown that the vaccine doesn't really work for those people. This is before Omicron. It never stimulated enough meaningful immunity. This is known with kidney transplant patients. Certainly liver, I mean, but most of the studies I know of were with uh, kidney transplant patients. This is literally the science's opposite. So you have a guy that had the virus versus someone, let's say, who didn't but has the shots. It is a proven fact that they have better immunity. A proven fact. So early on, there was a Mayo Clinic study There was a Johns Hopkins study that showed they barely get stimulated immunity from the shots. Most of them did not get antibodies from it. Um, But there was a study out of Transplant Center University Health Network in Toronto, Canada. Okay. And where is this published? Was it JAMA? Just trying to see here. It might have been published in Jam. I don't have it in front of... Oh, no, no, no. Journal of Infectious Diseases. Journal of Infectious Diseases. Vaccinated SOTRs, their solid organ transplant the recipients, mounted significantly lower proportions of S-specific polyfunctional CD4 T cells after two doses relative to unvaccinated SOTRs with prior COVID. Straight up, this guy's being denied a transplant for a lie, an utter lie. The study, Transplant Center in Toronto, looked at it. Together, these results suggest that SOTR generate robust T-cell cell responses following natural infection that correlate with disease severity, but generate comparatively lower T-cell responses following mRNA vaccination. Straight up there. Their science is complete backwards. This guy, Shamgar Connors, had the virus already, right? Could not get seriously ill. This has been proven, even with transplant patients who are immunosuppressed. Um, you know, they, they have a little bit less um, killer T cells, but than than a typical person after prior infection. But what seemed pretty clear from this study was that they couldn't get really seriously ill from it again. Whereas with the with the vaccine, if they did not have prior infection, not true at all. And and this is the big lie. I, I've dealt with just the last couple weeks. I've dealt with two kidney transplant patients, one of whom is already on a second failing kidney, needs a third one, and they got COVID, and they had the shots, and the shots didn't work for them. And I got them treat treatment, and and thankfully, you know, one of them I'll say publicly because he um he won't want to take credit, but he deserves it. Richard Amerling, we had him on the show before. He's a nephrologist, um, you know, because it's very complicated. They're, they're, they have a bunch of conditions. They're on a bunch of medications. What could they take? The, the, our options are more limited because some of the things we use to treat COVID with a typical patient, um, you know, couldn't be used on them. And they got them through it. These same dirtbag nephrologists who will deny kidney transplants to people based on a lie that kid, that the vaccine that vaccine somehow work when they get the shots and then they get COVID. That same nephrologist is not there for them. There's another guy that we're in the process of, of getting him over this, close friend of the show, um, been a longtime supporter. Her husband's on, her, on his second failed kidney. There's a lot of other conditions. He's on a lot of medications. So he was failed by the system. His doctors didn't treat him. And he got two negative PCR tests. Shows you how worthless they are. So, you know, I always promised I would take care of her because I, I knew he, you know, he was very high risk. I said, look, you know, let me know as soon as you have something. But the problem was, you know, the family seemed to get it, but he had two negative tests. And then, but for a while he had this, he was, he was coughing, he was sick, but that's kind of how he always is in the winter with a lot of these, you know, pathogens. So he thought, whatever. And then suddenly three weeks later, his blood oxygen level is hovering around 90. And it's like, what the heck? And he gets an x-ray, and it, does, it's, it's, it uh, shows COVID pneumonia, which comes up distinctly um, from, from a typical pneumonia on an x-ray. And it's like, I, that really took me for a loop. I was like, man, how did I miss that? Because typically, if your blood oxygen level starts dropping, especially if you're someone that vulnerable, you're dead within three days. I mean, you can't go on three weeks like that. So long story short, what the doctors involved think, the good guys that we got on the case, is that ironically, because the guy was sick and he was taking a bunch of things like statins, um, he was taking prednisone, he was on a few things, it was like a half a protocol, so it kind of kept it at bay. That's how, That's why he didn't crash. It was like a rolling baby Cytokine storm, rather than a full-blown cytokine storm, which even a healthy person, once you drop without without treatment, you 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 couldn't miss it. You you know they told him to go to the ER. Thankfully, he didn't, and he's he's better now. Then inhaled budesonide on his lungs worked terrifically. It is criminal, criminal that people, as soon as their uh levels are dropping, are not given prednisone or methylprednisolone, and then the inhaled nebulized budesonide. It is utterly criminal. But it's funny, that's what happened in this case, and he was, um, you know, he didn't wind up crashing because of that, and now they got him on other things, and he's doing a lot better. But no thanks to the shots, which didn't work for the guy. I mean, this whole thing is a lie. They're the ones putting out dangerous misinformation that is disproven by every study around there. It doesn't work. And then what does work, they trash. The next person that says ivermectin doesn't work, I'm going to punch their face off. 70 studies. We now have the, the one from Brazil, 220,000 sample size, an entire city in Brazil. It is now published in Cures. In, in, uh, Cures. This is peer-reviewed. And it's just truly Unbelievable. reduction in hospitalizations among those taking pretty low dose, low dose prophylaxis. Imagine if you have high dose at the time that you actually get it, but 68% reduction among those with comorbidities. Because again, I've been pointing this out again and again, and this was known, you could find even the media articles on this, that the, the Pfizer and Moderna studies had very small limited data on people with comorbidities. They they largely tested younger, healthy people. And that was always the big lie. The people that needed it the most, and this is what we're seeing, they cannot rely on it, which is why all of these governors, these dirtbags that get three shots, they get COVID, guess what, they go for the monoclonal antibodies, and I can guarantee you they have a private doctor that's likely prescribing a and and steroids, if not ivermectin hydroxychloroquine. But it's truly, truly disgusting what is going on here. Truly disgusting. We have all these studies. Again, we have in the Journal of Antibiotics from Nature 20 Mechanisms of Action of Ivermectin how they're denying that while pushing something that literally doesn't work for the people who need it the most. And then to deny a transplant based on a pure lie, it's demonstrably false. And it's demonstrably provable that prior infection, particularly for immunosuppressed, works better than the shots. Because the shots work for very few of those people and for a very limited period of time. So what they found in that Toronto study, too, is like the, the, the little bit of stimulation they found was literally for like six, eight weeks. But again, this is Cure's Journal of Medical Science. You could find the full study there. 220,000 subjects. um, And uh, great, great results with viral clearance. Yet, even in Florida, we're still having this problem with the hospitals. This is from the Epic Times. After 28 days on a ventilator, family loses legal battle to try ivermectin and other alternatives. Um, This was a, a Mayo Clinic Florida case. Truly heartbreaking. Truly disgusting. It's happening in Florida. The governor and the legislature need to get on this. There's not a single state where we have proper treatment. Not one. It is shocking what is going on. They shove on them remdesivir. You now have the Maryland governor giving it out outpatient to the, um, rather than making the monoclonals available uh, preemptively like the Florida governor is doing, uh, you know, his prophylaxis, the new uh, uh, AstraZeneca version. They're pushing on them remdesivir. Don't let anyone tell you they're following science when they're pushing a drug that causes kidney failure. It has to be pulled from an Ebola trial. Right, Ebola is very dangerous. So a trial of Ebola is where you're really gonna go all out, right? So to be dangerous enough to have to pull it from a trial of something that's very a very deadly disease, man, it has to be bad, had a 53% death rate. New England Journal of Medicine published December 2019. And yet something with 70 studies behind it, something with the largest largest sample size of anything studied on COVID, something with the only study of modalities. Nature's Journal of Antibiotics, Italian researchers, 20 detailed mechanisms of action against SARS-CoV-2 at all stages. And we have the DARPA memo now from Major Mike Murphy from DARPA sent to the Inspector General of DOD. That they've always known hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin work. And then with ivermectin, they write at every stage. Again, when we say every stage, obviously, you know, you get to the ventilator stage. It's certainly not nearly as good as it is. Nothing is going to be um, as it is used earlier outpatient. Um, you know, I, I, I could talk about this a little later um, when we get more details. But there was this case in Mercy Hospital in Buffalo, uh, Minnesota, Um, I I was privileged to be involved, and I helped the family evacuate after two months on a ventilator. um, This guy, Scott Quinner, to uh, Dr. Varone's hospital in Houston. Dr. Varone is basically the only Patriot doctor that is not outpatient. He actually has a hospital where he directs the care, so he's properly treating people. They have like one-fifth of the death rate of every other hospital in the country from COVID there. So, you know, this is kind of a last-ditch effort there. But this is truly, truly disgusting. Um, And, yeah, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. But this is the type of senseless, immoral, illogical, backwards discrimination we have today. They're doubling down on failure. They're doubling down on blocking the treatment. They created the virus. They covered up the virus. They lied about every aspect of it. I I want you to understand all of the policies that have been done based on no evidence. Zero randomized trials on masking in school. They did it anyway. Zero randomized trials on masking kids. Zero randomized trials on masking adults in high-income nations. Zero randomized trials on masking anyone in cities. Zero randomized trials of school closure. Zero randomized trials of business closures. Zero randomized trials of three versus six feet. Zero randomized trials of cohorting. Zero randomized trials of installing HEPA filters. Zero randomized trials of masking post vaccine. Zero randomized trials testing alternative dosing strategies of the vaccine which they're approving. Zero randomized trials on outdoor transmission. Zero randomized trials. On asymptomatic testing, zero randomized trials of quarantining duration, zero randomized trial of of testing for preschool children, zero randomized trials on plexiglass. Yet they're de- negative randomized trials on remdesivir, negative randomized trials on molnupiravir. I mean, it is criminal, and they have the nerve to say they're following the science. Are you freaking kidding me? Anyway, folks, what is your state legislature doing about any of this? About the treatment aspect, about the apartheid aspect, about investigating the shots? Nothing. Sadly, we're not any closer to getting the truth than we were before. You know, I talked about Friday with the Supreme Court ruling and talk about illogical stuff you literally have in the hospitals. Literally. People with COVID being allowed to come to work if they get the shots, but the people with prior immunity, they don't have the shots. They're being fired. We're losing tens of thousands of healthcare workers for a lie, an utter lie. Everyone getting the virus now got the shots. It's an unbelievable lie. So it's time for states to play hardball, put on them workplace injury liability, Ben and fine. You have to fight back with equal and opposing force. And by the way, you know, we, we saw over the weekend, if you haven't seen this, both from Gensaki, from Biden himself, they made it very clear that they're going to work with so-called private industry to make the mandates happen anyway. They're going to work to censor. They're going to work with big tech, and they already have. They've invited them to the White House to censor people. Let's dispel the notion that any somehow any private mandate is not already tainted with state coercion. Biden said, This is a quote directly from him. The court has ruled that my administration cannot use the authority granted to it by Congress to require this measure, but that does not stop me from using my voice as president to advocate for employee employers to do the right thing. I call on business leaders to immediately join those who have already stepped up, including one-third of the Fortune 100 com- companies and institute vaccine requirements to protect their workers, customers, and com- communities. So let's dispel the notion that this is somehow private. I don't want to hear about that anymore. There's nothing private about what, what they're doing with these mandates. So, you know, this is something we need to get going in every single state. We need investigations. We need committees looking into the shots, what what went wrong? By the way, the number of athlete cardiac arrests. Is up to 453, 263 dead post-COVID vaccine. But folks, facts don't matter. If you don't think, by the way, if you don't think they can't mandate N95s on you, you're not paying attention. They'll do it. They'll do it tomorrow. There's evidence they're doing it in some places. There is no amount of degree of immorality, illogical nature behind what they're pushing because, again, it doesn't matter how close it comes to your bodily autonomy, your rights. It doesn't matter the due process. It doesn't matter the evidentiary standards. The evidence to show that what they're doing even works, as opposed to even making it worse. It doesn't matter. We've, people thought they could comply their way out of this in 2020. And just like the frog that allows the scorpion to hitch a ride over the river... Once you let that scorpion on, you're done. And that was, that was the lesson of uh, Martin Luther King that you won't hear about. Now, there is more I wanted to get into. I don't have time. I wanted to get into Trump, you know, reports that he's attacking DeSantis. He's now become the ultimate Karen. He's the Karen candidate patrolling to see who says that they got the boosters Yeah, this is really, really what we need at a time like this. No, we need to focus on the primaries. We need to focus on the legislative sessions. You know, the Texas primary is coming up in in a month and a half. You know, very, very concerning. We have to make sure there's at least a runoff and Greg Abbott gets a challenge. We got to push the ones that are doing good to do better. Because again, we have no other country to run away too, so send me your comments, questions, concerns. D. at BlazeMedia.com. I am on Twitter for the time being at RM Conservative, but who knows where I'm going to land next? I doubt they're going to allow me to stay for much longer. The next time is going to be a permanent suspension. So who knows? All by the way, brought to you by the government. It is now. It, it is all being done at the BS of the federal government. So the notion that a private business could do what they want is nonsense. Don't let anyone convince you that this is coming from the free market. And we are just getting started. We are going to get back to some important guests, some doctors um, later on in the week to discuss the latest with COVID, COVID treatment. But folks, this is something we cannot get around. And then, of course, we have the discrimination at the national security level the fbi and dhs coming after us instead of real terrorists so we have to rely, rely on ourselves to stay healthy to stay safe and most importantly to stay informed till tomorrow god bless y'all thank you for listening